Welcome back to Simply the Best Podiatry. I'm Jason Agosta and we are following on from last week's discussion of footwear and injuries, which was preceded with footwear for females. This week we are following with the super shoes and a short discussion with both Maddie Murray and Gus McSwain about the new age, super lightweight, super padded super shoes, starting with me being very provocative. I want to talk about this, um, the super shoe stuff, because I think it's all garbage to tell the truth, but yeah. But I'm happy. So you don't think they make us faster? Uh, I think they may make us faster, but I don't think it's that much. And I think there's lots of problems with it. I don't think it's for everybody. I think it might be for you, but certainly not me. Um, no, I would agree with that. They're definitely Yeah, not. and I have, and it may be old school, but still the whole issue of sensory perception is a big deal for me, and I think that is a major issue clinically. So moving on, we have the wonderful super shoes around us, which, are, you know, they've taken the world by storm in the last four or five years. Um, so the new breed of sort of heavily cushioned shoes, I think the first one you saw was the Vaporfly, if I'm right, Nike Nike Vaporfly sort of took the world by storm. Um, and it seems that everyone has sort of um, almost tried to keep up or, or do something similar since that shoe seems to have rewritten the record books a little bit with distance runners. And... Um, but the, I suppose the really hot debate is with shoes like that, are the performance advantages um, pushed aside with the implications that we're possibly more exposed to injuries? That's the big question that comes with this line of shoes from what I can see. So we may feel great and run fast, but are we exposed to more problems? So I think the jury's still out on that, which most people would agree to this day over the last few years. And it seems that people are trying to pull it apart and trying to make something of it. And from what I've read, it all gets back to softer shoes, striking the ground more passively, greater impact, but then there's a slowing down of that impact rate to the body. So no one really knows what factors the shoes can contribute to that may contribute to injury, whether it's increased impact, increased movement because the soles are thicker and softer. And it, and it seems that people also, when you put a shoe on, you also have an expectation as well. So if I said to you, this shoe is super comfy and feels amazing to run in and it's it's going to give you this spring in your step, literally, I think most people can almost expect that to happen and almost want that to happen. And I think that that part of it, that's been sort of reported a lot of or spoken about, but obviously it's very hard to have anything that, you know, can support that. But I think we can understand that that happens. It seems that the the jury is still out as to whether we're going to see lots of problems um, from these sorts of shoes or not? Um, and does the timing of impact to the body that's altered have an effect on us? 
So what I'm saying is when we hit the ground, if it's a slower rate, a slower input, do we have slower onset of our muscular control and more movement? And as has been shown with softer shoes, there's greater acceleration through the lower limb. Does that have an, an impact on us? When the three of us have just mentioned about adaption and stiffness, if we run in softer shoes, we tend to run stiffer. So we sort of almost counteract the effects. So it's a really confusing scenario with these shoes as to whether, you know, they do cause problems and whether we will see problems. Um, I think on your whole, the point that you're making about, um, you know, if we tell someone that they're going to run faster in these shoes, are they going to run faster in them and that belief thing? I think there's definitely something in that, you know, we know with like compression, with all recovery for running, you know, you look at compression, ice baths, all the research in these space, you know, in that space sort of says if someone believes it's going to work, then it then it often does do something. Um, so there's probably there's probably an element to that to it. But I mean, we just have to look at the addition of um, you know all the world records, um, you know, over the past couple of years, particularly for the marathon, and they've been broken, mm. you know, significantly. I mean, all the world records have been broken from 5k through to the marathon, um, and I, you know. I, not saying that's just the shoe, but um, I definitely think that they, they have a role to play. And um, I agree. I definitely think, you know, um, that these shoes are going to alter um, the loads and there's some suggestion that, you know, it does just move things a little bit more proximally. And, you know, we certainly understand that they do increase stride length and, um, you know, is you have to make sure that the person that's going to be running in them um, is is strong enough and conditioned enough to to handle this these sorts of loads. Yeah. Um, particularly proximally, I think, make sure that they are. You know, and I like I think I said the other week, if I reflect on the injuries that I've suffered in the past couple of years, aside from the the ankle sprains. Um, but, you know, they have been more proximally, um, you know, proximal hamstring tendinopathy, um, yeah, issue, issues with my hips and um, there are already underlying things there but I definitely think that you have to make sure that the runner is strong enough to to handle that. Um, and The change, as you mentioned. Yeah. It's like yeah, you've got to be able to handle the change. Yeah. But, but we also know that they reduce delayed onset muscle soreness. So... Mm. I think, uh, yeah, there, there's, you know, I guess two sides to that coin and if we're reducing DOMS, you know, potentially we can train harder and, and um, again, then if we're, tra- if we're able to um, train harder and not, not get as much delayed onset muscle soreness, is that, is that somewhat protective um, against injury? But, yeah. but then obviously they make us run faster so we have to make sure we're strong enough. So I think... Yeah. Yeah, there's like multiple sides to it. That, that yeah, but what you're saying is that, it's, that, that there seems to be an effect with the amount of load that you can undertake. Yeah, or just making sure that the, the runner is strong enough. Like if you had a, a person that was, you know, like you've couched a 5K runner and they came to you and they're like, oh, you know, I'm going to do 5K park run and I've just started running and, you know, what do you think about these super shoes? Should I run in them? I think it's, yeah, not sure that they're for everyone. Um, That's and I right. think you have to yeah. be conditioned um and yeah i think that would be my my take on it but everyone i train with runs in them so and trains in them so it then gets sort of harder if you're going down to training and you're not running in a super shoe it's sort of like kind of get left already get left behind you think you're being left behind it's going to make you think you're being left behind 
not having yeah, the shoes. I don't know. I definitely find I run slower in the, in if I don't run in them. Like I, yeah. do, I do feel, and maybe that maybe that is part of that is um, belief. We're gonna get one designed just for you. That's gonna be quicker be cool. than everyone else. So it's a good point, though, the recreational versus elite. I mean, your group that you train with, I mean, that might be very appropriate for that group. But for the other, what what is it, 2% of um, runners in the country are national level or above or something? So let's count the other 90% or whatever. Are they going to be appropriate for, you know, people if they're softer and sort of wobbling around a little bit more? I mean, it's, I'm not too sure that's something I want to advise to patients who are just – that casual runner. Gus, any thoughts? Well, I think, again, it comes down to that individual's goals and their adaption level. So I can sit there and have a pretty frank conversation with someone, and if they've done no training but want to try and run a really fast 5K, I can say, well, you can probably go put on a new pair of vapor flies and it might help you, but you're probably <laughs> going to blow up um, something along the way, whether that's a tin post <laughs> or an anterior knee, something like that. So... Um, like I think everything has a spot and a place, and I think it's just our responsibility from a clinician perspective to be able to identify when these kind of shoes are appropriate and when potentially they're not. Um, because, yeah, we, we are dealing a majority of the time with that 97 98% of individuals. Um, so I think we need to take that into consideration when we are talking about these shoes. And they're not effective at slower paces anyway. So, so I feel like, well, they've been suggested to not be as effective with you running slow. So it's like when you see, I've seen, I don't know, if I've seen like a couple of people out for a jog and they're in like vapor flies or ASICs, like Metaspeed Sky. And it's yeah. just. That's a very important point, though, isn't it? Is mm-hmm. that are they, I mean, it's a question that people should ask. Is it appropriate for me if I'm just running around casually, doing my 5Ks every couple of days, and it's going to be a slower pace than, say, your group, Maddie. But is it appropriate or not, or they just should steer clear of these shoes? And we're, So we're talking about the super shoes or the, the thicker, softer, uh, lightweight shoes out there now. Should the average person steer clear or is it okay for them? I think like Gus said, if they're conditioned, I don't see why not. Yeah. No. I was going to say, if they've got the 380 bucks to go and buy a pair and they want them that badly, then. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I think I think if they're, if they're conditioned, I, don't, I think, yeah, it would be anyone can buy them, I think, or and, and wear them if, if you're conditioned enough. And um, I think that that was what I was trying to say is that um, it's just making sure that you are strong enough. If you've not been running for long time, like your overall running age is pretty, you know, you haven't been running for long um, and you want to go and run in a super shoe every day of the week, I think there's probably, you know, there's some risk. that You're putting yourself at some risk there. So I read this uh, paper from the European Journal of Sports Science by Laurent Malassou of Luxembourg and uh, basically summarises the whole thing in the end, talking about softness and impact and movement and injuries. And he says, so for now... My advice is to stick with whatever you're running in if you're happy with it. That's a conclusion of what he's written. You might consider alternating shoes, which you mentioned, Maddie, to vary the stress on your body. And he, you know, there's nothing to prove that at all, but he, you know, he does mention it. And this is someone who's been looking into these, you know, the lightweight sort of super shoes significantly. I just find it so interesting that, you know, at the end of the day, we always get back to each runner 
is unique and it really is a matter of finding what's comfortable and what fits you best. We actually end up back at the start, don't we? Despite all these factors in between, it seems to be the one thing that people really agree on. I think if something feels comfortable, then it's probably right, yeah, I would say. Well, it's going to be pretty close to anyway. Yeah. At least it's the first um, first measure you have to take. Gus, mm-hmm. I can see you chomping it a bit there because I'm being provocative. No, no. Well, I think um, when it comes down to the basics of how we practice is around that tissue stress, all those kind of things. So if that individual is adapted to the characteristics of that shoe and they're not injured and they're able to do the volumes that they need to do, then is there really much point in changing that? If they're comfortable, if they're happy, if they're uninjured, then realistically us changing anything from that perspective is more than likely going to end in tears than it is going to do anything um, to a positive aspect. So um, I think and then it comes back to your adaptation period. Um, so like as Maddie talked about, if you are to try and transition into some of these footwear, have a transitionary period where you allow those structures to adapt to it and get used to those change of loads um and i think that's a really safe way for people to be able to integrate it into their um running loads if they want to start to look at something a bit rakier a bit sexier or a bit more potentially fast um but yeah i I think the hard thing with all those reviews is they all pretty much end up in a general consensus in the end of it i don't think you read too many that have an opinion that say yes this is the fastest thing alive or anything like that um and our, from our perspective, quite often what a client will want is that definitive answer, isn't it? They're like, well, yeah. tell me what the best shoe is. Tell me how I'm going to fix this problem in two seconds and um, yeah. send me on my way. So, yeah, it's interesting. Can I ask a question to both of you? The shoes are so light and flexible these days. You pull them out of the box and you can just wear them out of the box in one hit. Just put them on and go. If I know my right size in whatever brand it is, it seems like it. in the past I would have to wear them in a little bit, walking around just for a few days or a week before I'd start running in it. But now I can just jump straight in there. Is that a problem, do you think, that people just go to the shoe store, where whoever it may be, they get in a shoe, it feels amazing, pull it out and just go for it? Do you, or do you think they should transition? I think transition. I mean, I, I always transition. I, even if I'm if I'm if I get a brand new pair of Safe Nova Blasts, the shoe that I run in all the time. If I get a new pair, I'll alternate between the new and the old for um, a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, I've just always mm. I've always kind of I've always done that. But I think even when you read like um, I often do read the Doctors of Running kind of reviews on shoes that come out and all that sort of thing and just reading through them they say you know like someone was running in the super blast and they were saying oh it just takes a bit of time to run into it because they felt that the um this you know it was quite stiff and um it took a few runs to get to soften and then it felt more comfortable for them so I think every it's so subjective everyone's experience with shoes will will differ but I definitely think as shoes are progressing towards becoming a lot softer there's probably going to be slightly less of a Maybe potentially wearing period if that's what you're sort yeah. of talking about there with regards exactly. to shoes you know break I guess breaking them in um, yeah it seems like it's a little bit easier these days being lighter and more flexible yeah mm, Gus yeah well, I think obviously when you have shoes that are potentially a bit more plush a bit more forgiving underfoot it makes that transition into that shoe feel pretty easy and pretty comfortable from a like a, a feedback perspective when you put it first on um whether or not people will transition into them less 
Um, probably depends on the individual. Depends on what they're using the shoe for. I know most people just go to a running shoe store. What is comfortable, they'll put on and then wear out the store and happy days. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the story kind of comes out later on whether or not that's potentially contributed to an injury or a niggle or things like that. But um, I think, yeah, they're probably just the feel and the feedback that you get from the new shoes nowadays. There may be a bit less of that transitionary period for individuals. Mm. Do you think it's a safe bet to just focus on a range of shoes that is in that middle bracket of firm neutral and sort of conventional stack heights, which is a little bit old school in a way because we don't see much around, as you mentioned, Maddie. The list is dwindled. But do you think it's a safe bet for the majority of people to to walk or run in? I think that you've probably got a little bit of leeway just on the characteristics that we talked about, that that firmness will help with some of those common tissue problems. Yeah. So you're probably giving yourself a little bit of leeway there. But then if you think about where footwear trends are going at the moment, you probably think that a high majority of those individuals are probably wearing plush, softer footwear at the moment now. Mm. And so if we're talking about those adaption periods, then it might be a bit too much of a change in the other direction for them where you might have adaption problems going back that other way. Yeah. Um, my old thing is what is that person wearing now and use that as your baseline to go yeah. with um, yeah. rather than going, okay, is there one shoe that fits perfectly for that or one characteristic that fits perfectly for everyone? Yeah, well, I hope people listening don't feel like they're doing or being left out or leaving something behind if their shoe list they're advising patients with is dwindling, um, which is what we mentioned. So because we're talking about extremes, there's you know, the minimalist stream and then the the big, thick, soft range of shoes. And in the middle there seems to be a little bit forgotten. I think a lot of people have forgotten about the, the simplistic approach to it, um, which can help many people. So, yeah, I hope people can get a little bit out of that. I have to say thank you, a huge thank you to you both. Maddie. thanks for coming back on. Love to have you back on whenever we can. Uh, I really, really appreciate your insights and your advice and very, very concise advice for everyone out there. So thank you. And I'll, I will put up your details in the show notes about, you know, your website link and things like that. Gus, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. And we'll speak again. And I know we've been talking about doing this sort of thing for a while, but uh, I really appreciate your insight. And thank you for forwarding that information. It was really good. You've got a very direct approach to it with your uh, your patients clearly, and I'm sure that is immense help and uh, hopefully huge advice um, to the practitioners listening to the show. Thanks for coming on Simply the Best Podiatry. It's been a pleasure having you both on. And I really thank you for your time. Stay tuned. We will be with you next week and back to a more clinical scenario of dealing with ingrown toenails with Sophie Fitt.